0: Again, ladies and gentlemen, fanatics, all ages, welcome to Phillies Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the Athletics, Matt Gelb. We're in the middle of another Braves series, which is great. It's another chance to watch some baseball between uh, the gaps in your fingers as you cover your face, because you just never know when the Braves are going to hit 17 home runs and erase a, an eight-run lead that the Phillies jumped out too early in the third inning. It's just, it just feels like every game is like that. But thus far, as we record this early on Tuesday morning after the doubleheader that the Phillies split with the Braves while they're trying to prevent the Braves from clinching the division on their turf. This is a pride series, folks. So far, so good. We got a few more games to get through, though. A few more uh, gaps in the fingers to peek through, as it were. And the pitching situation is at the forefront of just about everybody's mind. Things have been a little bit dicey for a couple of weeks now, both in the lower half of the rotation and in the bullpen. And, and Matt, let's bring you in here. I, I think this is an opportunity to talk about all things pitching with this team as we sit here right now, because the offense has mostly been Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner for a little bit now, but they even just when they're the only ones hitting, kind of are doing enough to, to keep this team in most games. It's the the pitching that has really started to uh, show some wear and tear. It looks like some of these guys are out of gas. Some of them are approaching or have exceeded career highs at the major league level, or at the very least have blown through what they did last year. And things are just looking a little shaky. So Matt, I'm, I'm wondering, as you have, you've posted a, a relevant article today on TheAthletic.com, First of all, how was your weekend? Second of all, what what do you make of this whole pitching situation? What what can be done about this so late in
1: the year? Uh, my weekend was good. I actually, uh, I took my kids to a game for the for the first time. Uh, first time ever to the ballpark. Yeah. Oh wow. We went uh, Saturday night. Uh, we lasted almost four innings. Hey. And, uh, they had a lot of fun. All right. So that was cool.
0: Wow. Four in- yeah. Four innings. That's great. I hope mine can do it. With, no, not uh, four in, in the
1: seats all the whole time. I mean, four innings yeah, the yeah. time that we entered the ballpark to the time that we left and, uh, you know, conveniently left before Aaron Nola had another meltdown inning. So, oh, boy, uh, the kids didn't uh, didn't have to
0: they speak. knew the kids knew yeah, they
1: knew they knew. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's there's. The first one of the I just want real quick what you said about, you know, Schwarber and Turner at the top yeah. of the lineup. Remember last year, right, when they really took off, it was solely like, you know, Schwarber and Hoskins just getting on base and hitting for power at the top of the lineup. And that was pretty mm-hmm. much what drove them for, you know, almost like six weeks. Um, It, it, it is a formula that can work. And, and Paul, uh, it's September 12th and Trey Turner has a 790 OPS and a 113 OPS plus plus.
0: 113. It's unbelievable what this guy has done the last month and a half to just resurrect this, not just resurrect this season, but to blow past it. This is like what you could have hoped for all year. Anyway, not to derail you. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, crazy. The pitching. Uh, I think there are some, some, some legitimate concerns. I also think that like it, it requires taking a step back and just thinking about it from a bigger picture. Cause I think a lot of the, some of the problems the Phillies have right now are regular season problems. Mm. And that doesn't make them insignificant because there are still 18 games left in the season. And as we sit here today, the Phillies now have a 98% chance by most of the models to make the playoffs. Like It's pretty clear like they're going to make the playoffs. It's it's whether they're hosting that first series or not. That's been obvious now for a while. And I also do think it's important to look at the that... Um, their one and a half game lead is effectively a two and a half game lead. They do have the tiebreaker over the Cubs,
0: which, great point. Yeah, you know,
1: maybe, maybe become significant. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, Cubs just put their clothes on the injured list. So there's, there's a lot of ways to look at this. I think the first way I would look at it is this. I look at every team right now, especially in the national league, there are pitching problems on all of the contenders right now. Like mm. I, I actually sat down and looked at this and I was trying to, you know, really like take a magnifying glass and see it. And the Dodgers are are in, in a really tough spot, quite obviously with the rotation. Um, they they have maybe two or three healthy starters. Um, two of them are rookies. Uh, really weird situation there. Uh, the Braves, you know, we're going to see Strider on Wednesday. Uh, he's not been good now for, for a pretty extended period of time. Their bullpen, we've seen... Um, to poke that you know you could poke some holes in their bullpen. It, it's yep. not, uh, it's not necessarily an elite unit. Uh, we saw Bryce Harper uh, hit another dramatic home run off of uh of off of an opposing closer, and this, this time it was Rysel Glacius. And uh, you look at the Diamondbacks; they have two really really good stars at the top, and uh, a lot of nothing uh, beyond that. Um, the Brewers have three really really good stars and a really good closer, and maybe that's enough. Um, but they don't really have much beyond that. So I just I think it's important to put that all into context. And I also then think that that, that again a lot of the Phillies' pitching problems are right now are regular season problems. For
0: mm-hmm. example,
1: the middle of the bullpen, kind of the, the you know the the middle relief and some of the the you know some of the fringe setup guys are uh, you know leaking some oil right now. Yeah, uh, those are guys that aren't going to be used in a short series or even in a five game series. Uh, the back of your rotation, a lot of question marks right now. Those guys aren't going to be starting postseason season games uh, in the play, you know? And so your roster shortens when you get talked over, we saw it last year. I mean, they used, uh, they used four relievers in the first round. And it was only two games. They used four different relievers. Uh, and then that five game series, uh, they used six different relievers against the Braves. So, you're thinking, like, I need to figure out who my 10 trusted pitchers are going into the playoffs. Um, whether that's a starter, as a reliever, or whatever. I need 10 pitchers that I trust to go into the playoffs. And I think they have that. I do. I think now also that there are some guys I need to get right. Very clearly, Sir Anthony Dominguez is not uh, is not where he should be or needs to be. And it's very similar, I think, to last year uh you know if you go back and look at his numbers in last september they were really bad um and there were a lot of concerns let's not forget that like going into the playoffs was like true can this guy be trusted and then he got a big out (laughs) in game one of the cardinal series and all of a sudden he just took off uh same thing with alvarado right now like can he be trusted i i don't know um you know blue blue uh you know, comes in comes into the extra innings in game one yesterday and allows the first run, and that's okay, right? You know, you inherit that runner on second base, but then he allowed a second yeah. run. Yeah, through wild pitch that up being a the wild pitch ended up you know really being a big uh, a big part of that inning.
0: The second run always gets you in those.
1: The second run gets you, and he he, he gave up the second run. Uh, Gregory Soto, you know, he was throwing sitting a hundred last night, gave up a home run to a lefty, which you don't want to see because he's pretty much been good against lefties and. Um, so was concerns, the one Harris, right? Yeah. Concerns yeah. there. Kimbrell though. I do think there's some, I do think it's important to highlight like what is going right, right now. Kimbrell, we talked about it. He needs some time off needs time off. Well, he's only thrown like 25 pitches in the last eight days. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten, he's gotten some rest here he's and he some looked rest, really yeah. sharp last night. I thought he yep. yep. was 97. It was a better curveball for strikes. Um, uh, Jeff Hoffman, very clearly uh, on some kind of heater here. Unbelievable. He's probably their second most trusted right-handed reliever at this point, and should be. Um, the guy has come into some tight situations. He's gotten him out of it. He's got incredible swing and miss stuff. Some still some questions about strike throwing ability, but when he's able to do it, um, he, he's as good as it gets right now. Yeah, and that's a weapon find. for the playoffs. Yeah, what a find. Yes, uh, I thought Matt Strom like and actually so the, ca- the other caveat here is like there's like the entire bullpen many of the pitchers and many of the position players have had have been sick for like the last few days, it's kind of ripped through the clubhouse. Um, Strom was one of those guys and his last few have not been good. Uh, last night, uh, he comes into the second game. He comes into the eighth inning, uh, and probably threw his best outing in, I don't know, weeks. I thought, uh, it was pretty good. It's like 10 pitches, seven strikes. Uh, he went right at batters. Um, that was pretty good. He, you know, he's he's shown some some uh a little bit of vulnerability in the last. I would say last two weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, and so you wonder about the workload with him. He's up to eighty-two mm-hmm. innings now, uh, which is a lot.
0: Workload's a big deal for a lot of these guys right now. I think.
1: Yeah, and so like you're looking for different ways to kind of make this right going into the playoffs, and I think really the best thing that they can look at right now is something that solves both a regular season problem and possibly a postseason problem. And that's making Michael Lorenzen a reliever and not just Mm. like a long man, but I think a guy that you're, you're trying to see how does this guy do in the seventh inning? Can, can we bring him in the seventh inning? Does this stuff tick up a little bit? He was a reliever for a a big portion of his career. uh, And I think it's something worth trying now. They've talked about how they wanted to go back to a five man rotation after the doubleheader. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think a lot of it is dependent on how, on how Christopher Sanchez feels. And I think he's been feeling okay. He's also passed a career innings really mm-hmm. hasn't shown any effects of it yet though. So it's true. Um, I think this is the lever they should pull right now. You
0: know, I, I like it in theory. I really do. If the timing is after that doubleheader, which we are now at, you're going to go back to the more traditional rotation. You already know Zach Wheeler likes pitching on that regular rotation. He's been totally fine. If you don't need to do the six-man thing, Lorenzen is your best option right now to go back to relief because you want to keep Ranger stretched out. Because even if you're going to use Ranger in some different capacity in the playoffs, and I think it's fair to say it could be either. We saw it last year, and I think that worked in its own weird way. Maybe that was a special case, and that'll never happen again. I don't know. But we know that Ranger can do both. You leave him stretched out for the remainder of this regular season. You know, maybe he only can average you know five and change in these starts that's fine i mean he carried that no hitter into the you know into the latter half of, of that game and then you know eventually we got to stop wasting heroics by the way quick tangent you G- got to stop wasting the heroics but harper you know with his home runs ranger with the, three the three bit.
1: times harper three times in the last is... 20 days a dramatic you know <sighs> dramatic late inning home run the one against the giants uh-huh it tied the game then they lost next <laughs> year innings. kimbrough blew it the one against the angels his 300 home run puts them ahead. Then Kimbrel blew it. And then the one against the Braves yesterday against Iglesias and Alvarado blows. It.
0: Yeah. So, like, knock it off, guys. But to get back to the point, uh, yeah, I, in theory, that makes total sense to me. I, I, I would hate to see guys just totally fall apart, you know, as we get closer to the end of the year here. Maybe it is just totally fatigue that's causing this. Maybe, like you said, I I was unaware that there was an illness going through the clubhouse. You know, that always plays a part. You don't always hear about those kinds of health issues necessarily that could be affecting performance. I think if you keep Ranger stretched out, you keep riding Chris Sanchez's hot hand who he... I keep going back and forth on this guy, but for right now, yes, absolutely. I trust him.
1: Yeah. And the best thing he can do for them is make three more solid starts yeah. the rest of the season. And, well, that's and if just he's it. not used in big, you know, he may not be a guy you're using in the postseason. but right now, like he's important for you in the regular season. Yeah.
0: And that's just it, right? We're not talking about a ton of trips through the rotation, through the rest of the regular season. It's only a couple more starts for each guy. So I think if you're able to help alleviate the stress of your bullpen a little bit, help alleviate the stress of Lorenzen's workload a little bit and get those other guys back on a more, you know, regular pace through the rest of the year. Hopefully you work closer toward solidifying that top spot in the wild card, Cubs are of course making that interesting. Then you can pull back a little bit, ease up on the throttle. I think that's the goal. That's the ideal. Um and it makes sense to me. On paper I think it's a good idea. You know, clearly Lorenzen's done it before. If you can bring a guy who may Maybe he can find an extra tick on his fastball, even with all this workload, this being late in the year. It it certainly seems feasible to me.
1: I like it. I I think now, look, I think there's some. There's some massaging of the message that has to be done with Lorenzen, too, because he he, he wants to start, Hmm. right? I mean, he signed with the Tigers because he wanted to start there or they told him he could start. He wanted to start and he's going to be a free agent after the season and starters get paid more money. Yes, and you do. It's pretty simple as that. I think, though, that like he's reached a point where he's proven to teams that uh, he is marketable as a starter. He's made 25 starts this year. He's gotten to 148 innings. Uh, a team looking for a back of the rotation guy this off season. like I, I don't think that Lorenzen going to the bullpen for the final three weeks of the season is going to uh, affect how they view him. No, Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I, I don't, I just, I don't think so. Um, and as far as the velocity goes, like he, he actually like, I mean, he, his stuff has been there, you know, these last few starts, like the velocity is right there. If anything, it's actually, he's actually throwing harder in September than he, than he was in previous months. Um, and maybe that's leading to, to a little less command possibly, Uh, Uh, but the stuff is there and he, he's like, he's even said, he's like, I would love to use the excuse of like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I, I've reached all these innings. He's like, but I, I just don't feel that way. I cannot tell you that that's how I feel that that is causing, you know, some, some of these issues that I've had, you know, he's got a five twenty four ERA, five twenty three ERA with the Phillies in 43 innings. Mm-hmm. It's just been, eh. you know, outside the no hitter, it's been not good. Yeah. Um, fifth starter ish. And- yeah fifth starter exactly i mean that's exactly what it has been um and i think that's why you tr- you try this now because you could see you could see this guy sitting 98 out of the bullpen um he you know he he topped out last night at 96.5, i think uh you know maybe with a with another mile an hour on the fastball he gets a few more swings and misses like he hasn't gotten a lot of whiffs on the fastball uh, he hasn't gotten a lot of whiffs period, but he hasn't gotten a lot of whiffs on the fastball. Uh, and, and that's, that's probably, you know, that's again, why he wouldn't be starting a postseason game for you. It's just too much contact. Um, especially, you know, with the defense behind him that, you know, is not the best. And yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know that moving him to the bullpen automatically gives you a, a lockdown setup, man. I, I don't think it does, but I think it's worth seeing it, especially if this is a role you think that he can best help you in come October, I think this is something you try now. I really do.
0: Now is the time for experimentation, too. You know, I find myself wondering, well, gentle experimentation, of course. I find myself wondering because there's a guy we've talked about a couple of months ago who seemed like he was building up for a role in a a time like this, in a scenario like this, potentially, if everything went well. No, it's not Griff McGarry who will not be pitching for the Phillies this season. It's Orion Kirkring, who I find myself, you know, looking at as one of the more reasonable internal surprise options. We'll call it that because we see Junior Marte get recalled. You know, the guys who have been on the bus and on the interstate for most of this year—they're kind of familiar. We're we're expecting some of that shuffle. You know, Luis Ortiz to mop up some innings, whoever it is. But if we're looking for somebody who maybe is a little bit fresher, maybe exciting got that triple digit stuff May, and maybe it's too big of a situation to put him in. I'm just talking about the regular season till pick up some of these outs. Is there any thought about somebody like him or somebody who uh, is on the periphery? It's hard because they're at a full 40 man right now, I believe, and don't seem to have any obvious six 60. Yeah, I mean, days? there's the,
1: the 40 man is not a problem. I mean, they could, there's, yeah. there's things they can do.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, So basically I'm just trying to think outside the box here. if, if Lorenzen isn't converted and maybe he will be. Maybe this is all moot, but plan B is there anything else going on there? Or is it just going to be more mix and match of the guys like Marte and Ortiz and maybe Andrew Bellotti comes back for, you know, a day or two at the end of this year. Is it, is it just going to be more of that?
1: I think so. I've asked okay. about Kirkering. Uh, the, every indication I've gotten is that the only promotion that he will get possibly this month is to triple. I. Okay he might pitch for triple a this week. Redding double a has one, has has one more week left and then triple a has two more weeks left I think. Um, I've asked I I and and people who have seen him even even some evaluators who went and saw him in late July um you know, said this is a guy that could get. You know, if 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 they needed it, he could probably get big league hitters out right now. I think they've reached a point though where that ship has sailed for this season. Mm. I think they look at him as someone who could be a big league pitcher next year, and I don't think they're ready to to just try it this late. I think if they were going to try it, it would have come earlier in the month. And when they didn't, that to me was a sign that he wasn't going to come up. But and he's had a tremendous season. He's probably been the the biggest breakout in the system and um, 71 strikeouts and 12 walks and 49 and two thirds innings uh, across three levels. He started the year low a uh, he's yeah. his slider is, is um, it, 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 it might be the best breaking ball in the minors, like the entire minors. And I'm not just saying that. like, I've heard people have gone in and seen him and looked at him and, and watched it. And people who look at other systems and compare prospects like they, Um, the slider is really good. Uh, you know, he's gotten, he's never been a full-time reliever. So he's, you know, getting to 46 appearances and 50 ish innings right now is, is a big deal. Like, I think they were really happy that he's gotten to that point. And I think that's, that's that. I don't think they look at him as somebody who's going to contribute in the majors this year.
0: And okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm only even grasping at straws because, you know, some of the more unfortunate situations, you know, like Connor Brogdon. Yeah complicating things like this, you know, Blotty, you at, yeah, bloody has not been good. You know, his magic is going. He, he gave all his magic to Jeff Hoffman for this year. I mean, <laughs> Brogdon, it, I always really like I like Connor Brogdon. I like his stuff when it's when it's good. It's really good. And I feel like this is a guy who frustrates me personally a little bit more because I can see so much more in him. I feel like I can see big outs more regularly from him. And I'm looking at his last few weeks in AAA. They're just bad just they're no good. Like he's he's ruled himself out, basically. You know, he's on the 40 man roster, but he's taking himself out of the conversation. And this was a guy who appeared in, you know, how many playoff games last year? So it's unfortunate to look. Yeah, it's unfortunate to look at that. And, you know, it is, like you said, a regular season problem now. Um, But you do have to get through it. You have to pick up these outs.
1: Right. And then so like the other thing, too, is like, okay, let's say you're making a list of 10 pitchers and temperatures you trust in 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 the postseason and i think because Mm -hmm. there are 10 reasonably 10 guys ahead of kirkering right now yes that that i just don't think that they they're just not going to shoot that that shot when they need to i mean like i make the list right now i'll make it i'll say wheeler nola suarez walker Kimbrell, hoffman alvarado soto dominguez strom that's 10 those are, and that's not even. We're not even getting into Lorenzen uh, or, or Sanchez. Sanchez. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean that's ten. And I know there's there's different very varying levels of trust on that list that I just laid out. Mm-hmm. And your trust level in them on September 12th might be different than it is on October 3rd. So um, that's kind of where I stand.
0: I think that's fair, and I think a lot of it. You know, you mentioned last year's situation in Sir Anthony's struggles going in and then he took off. The postseason, as much as it is objectively, you know, just another set of baseball games, (laughs) it it's different and things change as soon as the calendar flips over to that part of the schedule. Something ignites in these guys 90% of the time, 95, 99 percent of the time, where they realize it's go time and they summon up whatever reserves they've got left to get up as close to their A game as they possibly can after a full season of work. And I think I am at the point where I am trying to calibrate my brain toward thinking about the guys who are struggling, namely the big name guys in in Alvarado and Dominguez who are not at the top of their game right now. And think about the switch that was flipped for Alvarado. It came a little bit earlier in the year last year and thinking about, you know, his April and may this year thinking about what the peak performance of these guys looks like and thinking about what that could look like if it clicks in the playoffs and they find that gear and not worrying so much about what they're doing right now. It is concerning in that you want them to get through the rest of this year, lock up that home series, and then worry about the playoffs. Like There is still business to take care of here. I'm not totally dismissing it. But I am worrying less about the struggles right now, knowing that as long as they are healthy, which is also a big if. but as long as they are healthy, I think we can all have at bare minimum a reasonable amount of confidence that these guys can perform at a really, really high level and carry them deep into a
1: run again. And if they you know? don't, they just don't use Dominguez like in a short series. He just hmm. ends up being lower on the on the trusted chart. Yeah, and because Hoffman has emerged, I think you you have the ability to to look at that. I think if Strom is in a good place, like you trust him against lefties and righties, uh, and Lorenzen's a wild card for sure. But like I mean, it just it's just like it's just that simple. It's like your 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 list of players that you're using in a short series just it just gets really short in the playoffs. It just gets really really short, and some of these guys that you're worried about right now. Maybe they just have to go go fight without them. Uh or or just with them in a lesser role. Uh I just want to look back. I'm looking back at Dominguez's last uh eight outings last year. He came back from the injured list on September eleventh, mm-hmm. 2022, and he pitched eight times. Uh, including uh yeah, including once on the second to last game of the year. He pitched seven innings, ten hits, ten runs, nine earned. Eight walks, seven strikeouts, two home runs. He was that's, in a really bad that's spot. Really bad. He was in a yeah. terrible spot. Do you remember this? Like, do you remember like how concerned they were? They didn't use him in the first game of the Cardinals series. And then he came in. Remember, he comes into the game in game two and he strikes out both Aaron Otto and Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. And he strands some runners, stranded one runner or two runners. Uh, and it was just a tremendous outing for him. And he just he took off from there. And maybe that's what it takes. I don't know. I really don't know. Mary, yeah, he came in for pools. God, this feels like a million years ago. Comes in for pool. <laughs> comes in for pools. Gives up a single. So there's two yeah. runners on in a two-run mm. in a two-nothing game. Two men mm-hmm. on, and he strikes out Goldschmidt and Arenado, and then gives the ball off to Zach Eflin for the save. And so, yeah. I mean, uh, I know a lot has changed since then, but I, I just I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like the bullpen is so like it was, it's been such a good unit for them this season. And I feel like it's important to remember that as well. I mean, it was literally carrying this team in May and June when things were not going well at the offense, when the rotation was just kind of shaky, they were getting some tremendous performances from the bullpen, you know, really saved them. And so are some of these guys out of gas? Maybe, I don't know. It's not as if like a lot of these guys have been necessarily overused, especially Alvarado and Dominguez. They both have spent time on the injured list this year. Um, you're talking about managing Ranger Suarez. I mean, he's he's going to throw way fewer innings than he threw last year. Yeah, uh, that's true. Some of these guys, I, you know, like Strom is throwing a lot. Yeah. Soto has appeared in a bunch of games. Eh, he can handle that, I think. Kimbrel, like they've been able to manage it a little better, I think, in the last, you know, seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely he's already you know he's already passed you know his his innings from last year but he's he's i think they've done a better job managing it so i i don't know if it's necessarily like running out of gas here i just think um i think they all hit a blip at the same time and it comes a time when the offense is really churning so it's not a bad time for the bullpen to hit a blip you know should they have won more games recently yeah probably i mean there's two one run losses to the marlins there the bullpen blue there's those three bryce games i mentioned in the last 20 mm-hmm. days that you know they should win all three of them or at least two of them uh in the end uh i i i, I don't know I, I still think they're in a decent spot and to me the biggest thing that has come you know that has happened in the last six weeks is that you know the offense is alive. Trey Turner is alive, and that, that and we've yeah. seen. I mean, that can single-handedly change the fortunes of a roster. I really do believe that.
0: No, we've seen it. We've seen it now. And I, first of all, I love that we can still point back to the standing ovations in early August <laughs> as the moment when Trey Turner's season completely flipped around. I, I I love that. I'm I'm a big you know show your love you know show a little show a little positivity. It it won't hurt you. It's okay but the team as a whole since that date, right? And I'm just looking at the entire team's numbers and Trey has done, you know, a lot of this lifting. In the Phillies' last 35 games, they've gone 20 and 15, which, okay, fine, you take that. Um, They, as a collective unit, have hit 276 with a 357 on base and a 534 slug. That is a team production of an 891 OPS. In the last five weeks since the standing ovation game. It's not just Turner. Now, some guys are, you know, going a little bit in and out. Um, It's not as if everybody's humming on all cylinders. You know, Castellanos is sputtering again. Um, These things happen, but as a whole, as a cohesive unit, they are hitting the way they were assembled to hit. I think is the way you can look at it. And you have to feel as though going into a playoff series, even if you have pitching problems that continue in, in a short series, if these guys don't get it together for whatever reason over these next three weeks, there's never reason to believe they will, but if they don't, you have guys who are hitting right now at the point where they could make that whole thing irrelevant. They could just bash their way through. They could do what the Braves have been doing all season and just power their way through any potential uh, pitching blips that they might have. And that's, that's a good feeling. It's a nice parachute to have because if you're going to reach this point in the year where, you know, guys are probably a little bit tired from pitching, you know, a lot this year and also last year, we're getting to the point where it's cumulative now, maybe Um, you hope they're feeling it a little bit less, you know, like Lorenzen is, but we're getting to the point now where it could happen and they could just completely run out of gas. I don't know. Nobody knows when that's going to be. They don't know when that's going to be right now. The offense has shown no signs of that as a whole. And if you uh, have I got, least... I
1: got one, I got one for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you got
1: right now? The Phillies have eight players with 400 plate appearances and an OPS plus over 100, meaning they're hmm. better than league average. Uh, that would be the first time in team history. They have eight players.
0: The first, the first time ever.
1: Yes. The only, the, 07 seven, seven and, the only time they've had seven, the only time they've had seven, seven players with 400 plate appearances and 100 OPS plus was 1892. So, I mean, really, even if they oh. have seven guys do it, uh, they, they've done something that hasn't been done since the 19th century.
0: I had not realized it was that good. Wow.
1: 18, the slide in Billy Hamilton era makes a reappearance. That's interesting. <laughs> and the one guy who's in per, you know perilous territory right now is Castellanos, who's down to a 104 yeah. OPS+. Plus. And I I, I I, do think that their most optimal lineup has him hitting... Lower. Eighth, seventh, mm-hmm. eighth, Wild.
0: Eighth, That's kind of crazy.
1: <laughs> eighth? I mean, he's been hitting... He, they finally moved him out of the cleanup spot and it needed to happen. And I think it's yeah. a good spot for Bohm right now. Like I I, yeah. I think it makes sense. Um their best lineup is with turn with is, is with Schwarber and Turner batting second then. Then you have Harper and then you could go Bohm, Stott, Realmuto, Marsh, Castellanos, and then Rojas. Uh and then whoever you want to play center <laughs> field. Uh I don't get yeah, I mean I can go on a tangent. I do not get uh, I don't get why Johan Rojas isn't playing every day. Um, mm. I think he should. Uh, I think their best lineup has Rojas in center and Martian left, and the JK fascination is odd to me. Um, you know, he had, had a had a had a run scoring triple uh, in the in the second game last night, but in the first game, just made a, a really bad defensive play on what was an Austin Riley triple. You know, it was just, It wasn't inside the park home run because Cave really botched the play. He botched the back backing up Marsh, and then and then then also couldn't pick up the ball in left field, and and Riley then scores uh, on on a on a ball that honestly should have been a double. Um, you know, Cave. I just I don't know. I don't I don't really get it. I get it in that they're trying for some offense. He's left handed. Um, at this point, I think what Rojas gives you on defense just is more valuable. Period. The end.
0: Okay, so I, I think that is a good tangent to take though, and and things along those lines are worth thinking about as we get closer to the playoffs here. How much of that is related to Harper not playing first base every day, being able to play first base every day? Like w- what is his status for being able to play that position? Is he going to be able to do that for every game in a playoff series? I'm guessing he's going to to try and say he can. Like, do they feel like he can do that and they're just mitigating that until we get closer to the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Okay.
1: Right now, Bryce is – they're at Bryce's – they're operating on Bryce's – on Bryce right now. Like Bryce's, Bryce is deciding <laughs> okay. when he's going to play, and, and, and I think they would love for him to be playing there every day, and I think they're also understanding if he says, I don't want to right now. I think they also – mutually, the expectation is that he will be there every day in the playoffs.
0: Okay. All right, so then that makes sense. So you have him locked in every day at first base over there. You have Bohm who plays – third base you would expect every game or at least starting every game maybe Sosa comes in as a defensive
1: replacement late is Sosa better than Bohm at third <laughs>
0: wow oh I don't, my god I don't are get we it. asking I don't ourselves get it. that
1: question no like but I, I mean Sosa I think is a really good defender and he's obviously wow. better than Bohm at third base but like Sosa's made so many ugh, he has like just he so has. many misplays at third base I don't get it because he's supposed to be a better defender
0: he is he is I, I I will fully fully admit that Edmundo Sosa confounds me a little bit I get the offensive profile. He's hyper aggressive and that this is just what we get. You know, he'll he's run got a
1: 96 OPS plus. plus. He's, he's been does. fine. Like as a bench yeah. player, he's been totally fine. I know there's a lot of people who are angry at the bench and they, it's not, it could be a better unit. Yeah. Like Sosa's been fine. You know, and yeah. Pache is uh, something. I don't know what he is. Another,
0: another confusing one. Yeah. They, they have too many center fielders right now, but that's an off season question. Yeah. Uh, so Okay. Yeah. So then I, I would still think that there's deference to Sosa's glove, even though it has been a little more interesting. I think if the if the situation warrants it, if it's like a two run lead, you're not expecting Bone Spot in the order maybe to come back up, or you need to sure, to sure, pad, okay, then you put him back in. He'll be on the roster for sure, and yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. see him in that situation. So then you have left field for the play left field points, and center right? field. It's like two
1: spots yeah. that you're trying to debate here because if you're debating, DH. if you say yes. if short is and you say your best is with Marsh and left, then you're debating who your center fielder is, but. Maybe they think their best lineup is Martian center and cave and left against a righty. I, I don't know
0: what I think about. The, yeah, I don't know what I think about that. I don't I know. think it comes
1: down to does Johan does the what you might lose at the plate in Johan Rojas. Is it outweighed by the defense he would give you and then also the defense you get with Martian left? Because I do think he's you know, he's he's probably better in the corner.
0: Um, I think Marsh is is very good in the corner. I feel very confident with him and left. Yeah, it's absolutely your best defensive alignment. I don't think anybody would question right. that for a second. But you do wonder what Rojas would give you offensively. But look at what the Astros did last year, right? How often did they carry, you know, Martin Maldonado into these games when he was nothing on offense because of what he gave you on defense as a catcher? If If you have Rojas batting ninth in all of these playoff games, knowing what he can do in center field, knowing that this pitching staff, you know, has a lot of guys who are giving up balls in play. Yes. Mind you. Maybe there's an offset there. I don't know. And they're, they're having him bunt you know, fairly frequently or trying to bunt, show bunt. His speed is definitely something to keep in the back of your mind if you're an infielder. I have a hard time thinking that you're really that much worse off playing Rojas against a right-hander in the playoffs because of what he gives you in center field right now. He's clearly an elite defender.
1: And I think what he can give you out there, maybe he saves a run or two. Yes. You know, you give yourself that chance. I don't even think it's close. Maybe Mm. it is, but I don't think it's close. I think their best lineup has Rojas in center and Martian left. The end. Like I don't even think it's a debate in my mind.
0: I think what then becomes interesting is I'm noticing there's still – playing marsh in strange ways with left-handed pitchers Yeah, there's still yes. there's still some you know there, there's not a full try i don't know i don't know what even to call it at this point he's come through in some situations you know the guy making his debut threw him you know a cookie slider that he smacked for a basis clearing double and that was great you love to see that but that's not exactly fierce competition
1: but he's, yeah, he's not always pinch hit for
0: three yeah. times
1: in the last five games
0: you know, I look at Friday. It was just, it was strange. You know, you let Rojas bat. You know, you pinch at Pache for Marsh when Marsh is, you know, the better hitter overall. I, I, I don't know. I, what happens there when late in the game? Yeah. In the game. yeah. Do you do know. you then put Pache in and then try and ride that out? Like I don't know.
1: I expect I them the to. Ca- I expect it. them to carry all three dudes. All, all three, three center, center fielders. fielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Rojas, I guess Sosa Pache, March? Sosa's yeah.
1: the only infielder because if something happens to Turner, then, you know, Stock could play short. Yeah, I think, I think the bench in the playoffs is, yeah, is, it's a four-man unit of Stubbs, Sosa, Pache, and then either Cave, Rojas, whoever's not starting. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking over the roster now. I feel like that makes some sense.
1: Yeah. You only need one infielder. You don't need more than that. Uh, as far as Marsh goes, they're very clearly still trying to hide him from tough lefties, and that depends. I don't know what that means. It depends on what your definition of a tough lefty is. Tanner Scott is a really tough lefty, and I get why Pache yeah. pinch hit for Marsh in that situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I use this example in a story I wrote uh, over the weekend. I mean, let's say they're facing the Cubs, right? In the in the postseason, uh, game one starter most likely Justin Steele, Justin Steele uh, Cy yeah. Young candidate. He's got reverse splits like he's better against um, against against righties and he is lefties. So does that mean Marsh starts that game? I maybe. think so. I don't yeah. think
0: maybe. By the by the way, don't sleep on this. Uh, Justin Steele talked about as one of the favorites for the Cy Young Award. Uh, Zach Wheeler's stats apart from ERA. Uh, they stack up again. Keep an eye on that. Wink, wink.
1: I mean, Zach Wheeler with a big another big night against the Braves. Uh probably hear people talking about it more. I actually I like this I like this one. I have another one for you. Okay. Give me another one. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Give me one more. Let's go.
1: In the last nineteen, twenty twenty one in the last five seasons, there's been two times in which a starting pitcher has gone eight innings, given up zero runs and had ten strikeouts against the Atlanta Braves. Zach Wheeler has done it both times. He's a, Ooh, he did it earlier this season, which I believe now looking back on it is the best pitched game. The Phillies have had all year. I don't even think it's close. It was a getaway day in Atlanta. He mm-hmm. went eight innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, 12 strikeouts. And now that we look, now we look at the Braves and like the numbers they put up for the season. It arguably one of the best offenses in the history of baseball. Honestly. Yeah. That was a pretty good start. He made. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he's going to get to do it again tonight against, uh, uh, against uh, Freed, Max Freed. I was forgetting his first name for a minute. Why am I forgetting <laughs> Max Freed's first name? He's getting, he's pitching tonight against Max Freed, which should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, another good start against the Braves. And I think, you know, I think we were in the conversation already. I, I don't think he's gotten as much attention. And I don't know that he should be the Young right now, but I think he has a chance, an outside chance to pitch his way into it here.
0: Definitely, definitely. And this is where this series starts looking more like a potential playoff preview. You know, the first two nights or the doubleheader. This rather. is probably
1: game one of the NLDS. If, yep. if, if the pitching lines up. Yeah, yeah. Wheeler versus Freed. Yes. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. This is where it starts looking like something real. Um, and this, you know, the Phillies are still playing for pride, right? You're not catching the Braves for the division. And the Braves, by the way, have clinched a, a playoff spot. They're the first team to do that this year. But you're looking to prevent them from clinching the division on your home field. This is a this is a pride yeah, I thing.
1: Yes, I don't, don't want to see yeah. it.
0: I don't want to see it. No, I don't they want, want to see it either, but it's no. like, yeah. no, no, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, let, You know, let them do that in the next series. All right. They just push that off. Win one yeah. more of these games and then let them do that somewhere else. I don't sure. want to see that crap on our, I list.
1: will say it will. It will be, it will be benefit the Phillies. If the Braves do clinch, you know, they're obviously going to clinch sometime this weekend um, because mm-hmm. the Phillies do go to Atlanta next week for three. And I'm not oh. saying the Braves are just going to be resting everyone because they won't. It's just not what they do, but I think they'll, take you know two or three guys and probably rest them and maybe do something some different things with their pitching next week maybe that's not gonna hurt
0: no that's their so, problem I, I just don't want to see it i don't want to see it on our home field get, get that crap out of here
1: luke williams gotten at bat for the braves last night
0: it's fun Remember seeing old friends pop up yeah. yeah i i do i do it's, it's a big been home fun run seeing... against the braves it's been I'm fun not. seeing, you know, Ben Lively and Michael Marriott and <laughs> all these, you know, old friends.
1: Mark Leiter Jr. That. might Mark... be
0: the Cubs closer right now. He's he's killing it, man. Yeah. He's still the author of one of the greatest relief appearances in Philly's history, too. It's so good for him. All right, Matt, I think that'll about do it for this week. I think we've said all there is to say. What else do you have? Uh, you, you had a beautiful tease for that Hoskins story that you dropped in the middle of last week. Uh, I thought that set up very nicely. And that was a great story to read. Do you have any other uh, any other things in the works that you might like to mysteriously tease and get people excited for? I know I'm interested.
1: Uh I, I, I'm definitely planning on as long as things don't explode. Uh, <laughs> planning on writing uh, something about Jeff Hoffman, who I think is nice. Um, you know, quite obviously become a, a, a more important piece to this puzzle than we expected, and um, there is an incredible, incredible uh, backstory to how he landed in this spot that he's in right now
0: Um, oh man two weeks in a row that's that's. (laughs) oh no thank you for that and, and thank you as always for the for the great work so we'll see how the rest of this series goes two more against the braves continuing tonight tonight of course being tuesday um philly's playing for a little bit of pride to keep the braves from celebrating celebrating a division clincher on their home field also need also to win working. games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, also <laughs> They need games. to win games but, still. Yeah, yeah. Trying to, but if they uh, go, if they
1: go 99 nine in the last 18, Paul, that's uh, 88. And that's I think, that, I think that's... that gets them. I do think that that gets them home field.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah. I still want, right? I still want to see that 90. I still want to see that 90, but do you think, um, do you think 88
1: gets them home field?
0: Yeah, the Cubs need to cool it a little bit. I, I, I don't know how much longer the Cubs can continue this run. They would have to go. What would that be? 10 and eight. Um, no, they
1: have fewer games left. They'd have to go uh, 10, ten and 10,
0: 10, 7. 10. and then there's a tiebreaker. Yeah, okay. 7, so they have to go yeah. eleven and six. Break. They'd have
1: to go eleven and six. Right? Okay.
0: There you go. I love doing math on the fly on this show. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, I still want that ninety though. But yeah. Maybe eighty can do it. All right. Anyway, the Phillies are working toward it. There's still a game and a half up on Chicago for that top wild card spot. Three and a half up on Arizona as we record, and five up on both the Marlins and Giants for any wild card spot in general. We're not going to think too hard about that. Phillies are in a good spot, looking to continue that play against the Braves. Two more here, three more against them later. Matt and I will be back with you again next week, hopefully with a a little bit bigger of a lead than a game and a half. But until then, go enjoy the rest of the series and the rest of this week, and we'll catch you next week.